What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim, and I've got a special guest here today. JR is here from the Big Ten Huddle. Uh, we are so excited to talk about Rivalry Week, and, and we got a great show for you here. Um, again, if you are looking for this podcast, we, you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. This one is on YouTube, so make sure you like and you smash that subscribe button, leave a comment, leave reviews. And you can always find us on Instagram, on Twitter. Email us at Big10FootballTalk at gmail.com. JR, welcome to the show. Tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so I'm JR. I run a podcast called The Big Ten Huddle. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, all those different places. Uh, I'm with a company called Big Banter Sports, and we just we, we talk Big Ten all the time. So we have like a like a podcast for every Big Ten team, and then we have my podcast where like I invite on people from Big Banter, and I've also had Zach on a time, and I bring other people on different times. And uh, right now it's a lot of recaps and previews and stuff like that. But we also just talk about like the news of the Big Ten. We've talked about Jim Harbaugh a lot, probably more than I've ever wanted to, but it's <laughs> just kind of the way things are. We, we, we've been talking about coach of the year, and I know we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, just uh, anything Big Ten, we can pretty much talk about, we try to talk about and hit on. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And if we want to find your podcast and we want to find uh, where can we follow you and where can we get the podcast? Yeah, so best place to follow me, place I'm most active, is on Twitter, the Big Ten Huddle, uh, all together. And then you can search the Big Ten Huddle on any podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, uh, Podbean, all of those things. Uh, you'll find us there. Just type in the Big Ten Huddle. And, we, and you also have a, a personal page to JR's rankings. Yeah, JR yeah. underscore rankings. That's like all Ohio State and really Homer stuff. So you probably are not going to like it unless you're an Ohio State fan. <laughs> That's, as, as people are coming in for this podcast, you need to understand that both of us are Ohio State fans. And this is, this is the one episode of the every year that I feel the – the prerogative to be a little bit more homerish because yeah. it is the Ohio state game versus the team up North. And so to my friend Yankee Wolverine, who follows us and is an ardent listener and supporter of the show, I uh, appreciate you. But today I'm going to be much more homerific. Uh, although my pick may not be as homerific as my banter, um, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there yeah. before we get to picks. And we get to, we will actually talk a little bit about Harbaugh and Signgate and the impact of that on the game because I think it does have an impact on the game. I do want to get to the coach of the coach of the year stuff because I got a comment. I'm very, I love interaction with people who listen. I'm sure you do too, Jr. Oh, yeah. um, but I had I had someone uh, send in a comment about. Coach of the year. I have been very, very avid, an avid fan of Greg Schiano and David Braun. And I've said multiple times uh, over the past several weeks 
then I feel like they should be coach of the year. Well, Nick, Nick R. Bush wrote in, and I appreciate his willingness to, to, to say what he wanted to say, but he basically was saying, you've got to be joking that it's Braun and Shiano. Look at what Kirk Ferentz has done. Look at what he's done at Iowa. He's 9-2. and two, He's won the West. How, could, how is he not the obvious choice for coach of the year? So in response to that, I, I put up a poll. And I put four coaches on it. I put Shiano, Braun, Ferentz, and Ryan Day. Uh, I, I think it was a straight tie for first with Shiano and Braun. Ryan Day was a distant third and at, coming in at fourth, but very close to Ryan Day was, was Ferentz. And so I, whenever someone writes in, you know, I, I have my opinions, obviously, but I, I do want to consider like what, what different fans are saying. And so, JR, I'd love to hear, since you're locked into the Big Ten too, what are your thoughts on Kirk Ferentz, on Iowa's season, like, should we give more consideration to Kirk Ferentz as coach of the year in the Big Ten? Yeah, so I put out coach of the year power rankings every, it's not so much my thoughts on who is the coach of the year, it's more like me trying to predict the award, um, but it, it all, you know, also my thoughts get into it and my bias and stuff like that as well, so it's hard to completely eliminate that. However, um, right now my top four are David Braun, Kirk Ferentz, Greg Schiano, and then fourth is Ryan Day. And what I've found as I as I watch Iowa and as I, you know, kind of pick apart their situation more and more, Kirk Ferentz has done a fantastic job this season. I don't think there's any question that what he's been able to do is to, to be nearly a top 15 team. Um, they'll be top 20, I think, at the end of the year as long as they win their bowl game. But to... to have your son forcibly fired by the administration uh, to lose your starting quarterback, both your starting tight ends, which the tight end position is the bedrock of that Iowa offense. I know, you know, national media guys like to take, you know, make jokes about the Iowa offense, Big Ten fans too, don't get me wrong. Um, but when you look at it schematically, there's a reason why that offense plays the way they do you know if you just look at the numbers it's like oh ha ha they're number 130 um but if you if you actually watch the iowa games there's a reason why that offense is as conservative as it is and does what they do now a big part of that is they just don't have talent right i mean they don't have the offensive talent they don't have the skill position guys that they need to have uh their linemen are okay but they're nothing you know none of them are probably going to be all americans or anything like that um, but I look at what Kirk Ferentz has done and say, I look at the injuries, I look at the, uh, the firing of his son and not only did he win the big 10 West, I mean, he won it pretty convincingly, you know, there was a point there where like five other teams could possibly win the big 10 West. But I think when we looked at that, we all knew that, you know, all Iowa had to do was win one more game and they were going to win the West. So, you know. Um, so I, I do sympathize with Iowa fans because I don't think Kirk Ferentz gets the credit he deserves, but I would also say, remember what everybody was saying about Northwestern at the beginning of the season. I mean, there were people saying they're not going to win any other game, but Howard, I mean, there were people saying that like, oh yeah, they might beat UNLV. We'll see. Um, and now he's bowl eligible. Like, the, the dude took over a, I mean, let's not forget, just like, I think it was last year or the year before, the dude was an FCS. Yep. And now he's at Northwestern. He's the interim head coach. 
He got the team bowl eligible. Now he's the head coach of a Big Ten program making far more money than he would have ever made in FCS. Now I get it. It's not the best Big Ten program out there, but this is still a Big Ten program that has competed for the West and won the West a couple times here lately. So, you know, if, if it wasn't for David's Bra- David Braun's, you know, heroism, it would probably be between Greg Schiano and Kirk Ferentz for me. But I just think you have to look at David Braun and say what he's done this season with the expectations they had, he's just far exceeded them. Well, the, the expectations, but also I mean, he's following Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah. And, and he's cleaning up a, an absurd mess. Yes. And both of those, I mean, you could have easily lost the program. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think not only, like, I totally agree with you. I think I had them 1-11 going like for this season i had him two and ten yeah and like i i wasn't convinced that they would beat howard <laughs> right and, <laughs> they almost did it <laughs> yeah crazy right thing. <laughs> right um but i i think what we always have to remember coach of the year is a con it's a contextual award yeah like otherwise the big 10 champion would always get it and yeah. we know from history like ryan day was the first ohio state coach to win coach of the year like I think since John Cooper, yeah. Like that's which is absurd, by the way. Mm-hmm. But it, and so the context, like you have to remember, Kirk Ferentz, and I think Kirk Ferentz will go down as maybe the best Iowa head coach. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Like Hayden Fry, maybe, but like he has done such an amazing job there. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember too, look at who he's done it against. Like he didn't have to go against Ohio State or Michigan. He if you look at the coaches, you know, you have four first time head coaches in the Big Ten West. And then you have Brett Bielema who lost a ton of talent at Illinois. And PJ Fleck, who quite honestly is just PJ Fleck. Um and you lost to him, which I know was controversial. I know it was controversial. But I like we're we're talk we're 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 talking about, you know, if you're trying to compare, like, who are the top two or three coaches for this? Like, you've got to split hairs. And I think that's what we're doing when we're saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't have kept your son on. I know that was a tough, right. tough thing. Um, and maybe you should have had more offensive development. I don't think that takes anything away from what Kirk Ferentz has accomplished and getting right. to the Big Ten West. Um, and I, I would not be surprised if Iowa gives whoever wins the East a game because uh, for several reasons, um, one being that defense. Um, but I, I just think you got to look at David Braun's situation and be like, oh my gosh, like what he went through, like he thought he was going to be offensive coordinator in, in July. Right. And now he's, you know, the head coach of, of a team that went one in 11 last year. So yeah, I, I, but I, I appreciate your take because I think you're you're helping me and I think helping helping the listeners understand like Kirk. Kirk has probably been slandered probably by me as well, <laughs> more than he should be, and he is he has certainly been one of the top coaches in the league this year. But I think you've got to give David Braun and and I think Shiano real props for what they have done as well, and and they have they have exceeded expectations as much if not more so than, than Kirk has at, at Iowa. So, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I put out a question on Twitter and it wasn't a poll. 
um, it was just kind of like an open-ended question, and I said, you know, say David Braun gets bowl eligible, Kirk Ferentz wins out, you know, finishes with two losses, and Greg Schiano beats either Penn State or Ohio State, you know, to end the year. Which one of those is your Big Ten Coach of the Year? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was still unanimous David Braun because everybody was saying this this guy got bowl eligible. Like, yeah. <laughs> do, do we understand who Northwestern – and so it's like even if Greg Schiano and Kirk Ferentz is about to do it, I mean, if he wins this weekend against Nebraska, he is going to win out and only have two losses. Um, even in that scenario, what David Braun has done just – it deserves – the recognition uh, for him to be able to have done what he's done. Agreed. So we are renaming the podcast, David Braun support podcast, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to move on. Um, I've had people say we're the Rutgers huddle. So (laughs) (laughs) I, I, Hey, I, I'm all for the, the, the programs that don't have as much, that don't get as much support because and I think Rutgers and Northwestern both having great seasons. And so, and that's not to take away from Iowa. So this is a fun week. And so we're going to get to picks right now. We're going to do six of the seven, and then we're going to spend a a chunk of time on, on the game as I think we should, even if we weren't two Ohio state homers, right? It's two, three, the implications, the, the scandal, all that stuff. But I think something that's interesting, I'll just note this and then we'll kind of get right into it. Only one game this weekend has a spread bigger than, I think, six points. Yeah, you're right. And that's Penn State, Michigan State. Yep. Um, because part of that is because I'm not sure Michigan State has enough scholarship players to field that are, that are healthy. Um, Those availability well, reports came at right, just the right time because you look at it like everybody else's and it's like, oh, it's a small. And then you look at Michigan State's. <laughs> it's, it's a scroll. Like, you're yeah. just – unraveling it right they put it out two pages instead of one <laughs> oh it's gonna be rough um so let's we're gonna stick with iowa we're just gonna go with how these games are going to fall on the weekend except for for the game yep um number 17 iowa that the college po- football playoff rankings just came out as we're recording this iowa down to 17 this week they are at nebraska uh, the game is on CBS. It's a 12 p.m. kick. And uh, Nebraska, believe it or not, is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, quarterback situation for Nebraska still, you know, well, it, I'd say iffy. It's been iffy all season. Yeah. Uh, not sure if Harburg's going to go or if it's going to be Purdy. Who you got in this one? Well, you know, for basically the entire season, I've been telling Nebraska fans, if you guys can just – put together a game where you have reliable quarterback play, you'll win. And then they played Wisconsin and they had reliable quarterback play and they lost. <laughs> so so uh, to me, it's like, unfortunately, I think Nebraska is just in the spot right now where yes, I think they're a good team. And I think Matt rule is a really good coach. Um, I think that I was just going to be too much for him. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game because every game Iowa plays is a close game, except for Rutgers a couple weeks ago. Uh, but but I think that Nebraska's found their quarterback, and that's very good. Uh, but I think a win here would do wonders for them. To have the extra practice time that you need to like go into a bowl, um, that would help a lot. I think that uh, Matt Rule just like doing everything he can with his culture 
would help a lot. Um, but it just seems like Nebraska is one of those teams that something will go wrong for them, whether it's a pick at the end of the game, whether it's bad tackling, whether it's, you know, a big play or something like that. Um, I just, I feel like after last year when Nebraska kind of, you know, they beat Iowa at the end of the year and made that hard on them. I feel like Iowa's going to come in and they're going to play inspired. They're going to play wanting to win and show people, you know, that they are a good football team. Um, and I, believe it or not, I think Iowa's offense is playing its best football. It's played all season long right now. You know, two weeks ago they had over 400 yards. Last week um, they scored 15 points, which I know, like, that sounds like, wow, you know, real barn burner, but that's a good week for for Iowa. Um, so I know Cooper DeGene being lost is is a little questionable, but I have Iowa 10 to 7 in this one. So you're going under. <laughs> yeah. I always go under with Iowa. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a safe bet. Um, I This was hard because I, I, I think I picked against Iowa three out of the last four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, and I, I didn't do a picks pod last week and I'm pretty sure in my mind I picked against Iowa. So I, I have not been on the Iowa train. And part of the reason why is because when you don't have an offense, you lose your margin for error. Mm-hmm. I, I think the problem is like Nebraska doesn't like they, I think they, they are getting a little bit more sound, but they don't, they just don't have a lot of weapons. To really well, they have a lot of injuries too. Yeah, they're very injured. Yeah, I think Matt Rule will have these boys ready to go, but I I actually agree with you. I think, oddly enough, Iowa with all the injuries that they have, I think they've they've really started to put together some some good games offensively. Um, I I I also am going Iowa, um, which I think. It's funny, as I was coming to the podcast, I was like, I think, I think I'll pick Nebraska, but I actually think Iowa, I think they're going to clamp down on Nebraska. I think they're going to turn them over. Uh, I've got 13 to 7, so a little bit more. It's still under, but I've got, I, lowest, I think It's Iowa. like the lowest over-under ever, and <laughs> ever. we're still going under. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's. What is it? Twenty six and a half, I think, is the over under or something like that. Was, is it twenty six? I thought. Let me let me check real quick. Last I, I checked, I think it was somewhere around twenty six. Twenty seven and a half. Twenty seven. Okay. At All least. Right. Oh no! It, no, it it dropped down to twenty six and a half. It went down. <laughs> it opened at twenty seven and a half. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh man. I love it. I love Iowa football. I I, I love watching it. I, I it's just it's, awesome. It's old school. It's yeah. old school Big Ten. Three yeah. yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah. So, or rubber pellets. Right. So, uh, number 11, Penn State uh, at Ford Field, taking on Michigan State. Pseudo home game for the Spartans, where Penn State fans actually might fill more of the stadium. But Penn State is a 21 point favorite. This is 7 30 p.m. These are both, by the way, on Black Friday, not on Saturday. So, mm-hmm. 7 30 p.m. game. Penn State's a 21 point favorite. Who you got on this in this one? I I just don't think I can pick Michigan State. There's too many guys out right now. I I don't I don't like Harlan Barnett. Um, I know there's he's talking about interviewing for the job and everything. I think Michigan State would be just absolutely wild to hire him. I don't think that he's done a good job. I don't think that he has good coordinators. Uh, 
I, I know he bleeds green, and that's awesome for him. But uh, unfortunately, I just don't think he's made to be a head coach of a Big Ten program. As somebody who roots for the Big Ten, I, sh I sh hope they do not. I would rather them hire Jimbo Fisher <laughs> as the coach over at Michigan State. So, um, and, and I know Penn State's had their struggles with their offense, but I just think that Michigan State is so depleted that Penn State will, you know, they have they have stars. I mean, even though Drew Aller's not the, been the best, he's still a five-star quarterback. They still have Nick Singleton. Uh, that offensive line, I know there's a couple spots where it's kind of iffy here and there, but – uh, I, there's still a better team than Michigan State. I have a winning 41 to six. Yeah, I think uh, Franklin said Aller. You know, Aller got dinged in the Rutgers game. Uh, he said he's going to play, yeah. and I think he also said that Bo Prabula, who's the the backup, who's more of a run threat, is also going to play in this game. And Which I actually I, like the offense better with Bo in there than yeah, last well, week. It's it it kind of turns back into that Trace McSorley. Yep. Style Which I think offense. is more fitting for Penn State. At, yeah, and it's more. I think it's more fitting for Franklin. Yeah. Like I don't think Franklin knows how to use a pro style quarterback. Yeah, and I think when he had Hackenberg, he didn't know what to do with him. And I think Hackenberg didn't like it, like being there once yeah. Bill O'Brien uh, was had moved on. And yeah, and and they don't have the receivers right now. Yeah. Like. Keandre Lambert Smith is a good is a good weapon. He'd be a good a two, two or three, three on most other teams, but he's just not a one. Yeah, and but that that being said, I I agree. It's amazing that they haven't that they've won two out of the last th that Michigan State has won two of the last out of the last three. Yeah. Um, but I I agree. Like Michigan State is a top twenty five caliber program, and yeah. I actually think the expansion of the conference is going to help them because they get out of the death division. Mm -hmm. um, and so you get the right coach. And I, like, even if Harlan Barnett impressed it all in the last three weeks, which I don't think it should, it, it's Indiana and uh, I forget uh, who else. Did Nebraska, they Nebraska. That's right. Yeah. It, yeah. It's Indiana and Nebraska. Like you're getting killed by everybody, everybody with a pulse. So, I, but I agree with you. I think they're too depleted. I, I think Penn state covers, I've got 35 to, to 10. Um, and I, I'm not sure it's even that close. I, I think Penn state might struggle to the offensive woes might come to bear a little bit, but not enough to, to make you, this close. You might see something similar to like what we saw with Minnesota and Ohio state last week, you know, 13 to nothing at halftime, but there was no doubt that Ohio state was still winning that game, you know, right. It, that's probably what you'll see something like that here with Penn State and Michigan State. Yep, yep. Enough for for Penn State fans to feel icky. Yeah. At some point. <laughs> to, get, to get mad again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I get. I get. So, yeah. old Oaken Bucket game. This is on Saturday. It's noon kick. Big Ten Network. Purdue is a three point favorite in this game. Both teams are three and eight. Uh, Ryan Walters trying to get his first taste of rivalry victory. Tom Allen may be coaching for his job. Maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. What do you yeah. think? I, I think even if he wins, you still fire him. I mean, this is just, I listen, I like Tom Allen. I root for IU um, in addition to my Buckeyes. Cause I just, uh, my, I my, my in-laws all like IU and you know, I, I really don't have any reason to dislike them. So uh, they're probably like my second big 10 team kind of, 
uh, which is a little depressing, but you know, it is what it is. If I get disgusted by them, I just go watch Ohio state and then I feel better. (laughs) Um, but no, I think, I think Tom Allen, it's just, it's clear that he's not the coach, uh, to lead Indiana to where they need to go. I, I don't think he's a bad, like coach. Like I think he'll be a good defensive coordinator somewhere. Um, and eventually if he makes it back to the big 10 as a defensive coordinator, I think that he would do really well in that area. Um, but I just, I don't think that he's big 10 head coach material. He might do really well with like a group of five team or something like that. Um, but the, 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 the school just isn't right for him. The position isn't right for him. Um, but with all that said, I still think Indiana has a good chance to win this weekend. So I am going to pick Indiana to win 27 to 24, because I do think that Tom Allen can get those guys inspired to play well. They've not played terribly the past mm-hmm. few weeks, um, but I, I do have a source, uh, somebody who is uh, like an assistant athletic director at a Big Ten school, uh, and she told me that uh, Indiana is scraping the money together, and they're probably they're probably going to fire Tom Allen, um, and just they're kind of letting him finish the season out of respect uh, because everybody there does like him. They just yeah they have to move on from him, especially in this new Big Ten that's coming in. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I I think since the beginning of the season, the writing kind of felt like it was on the wall. Um, although I I agree, I don't know Hudson Card's status on this game. He was out last week for Purdue, um, and I I agree. I think Indiana wins this game. I, I'm going to go twenty to seventeen. Yeah. Uh, Indiana wins. Um, we'll keep moving. Northwestern at Illinois. Uh, Illinois is a five and a half point favorite. Illinois needs to win to get bowl eligible. What are your thoughts? I think they're going to do it. I think Illinois is going to win this one 28 to 17. I, I really like John Paddock. I think he's playing well. Um, I don't think that Johnny Newton wants to be done, you know, without a final win or something like that, especially on senior night. Uh, for the Illini, so I think him and Keith Randolph are going to play very inspired football. Uh, I know he's not going to play in the bowl game. That was announced earlier today, but uh, but I, I still think he wants to give his all for his team and play hard. Uh, and, I, and I like I like Isaiah Williams. I think Isaiah Williams is a really underrated wide receiver in the Big Ten. Um, and so him and John Paddock seem to have a connection. So in this one, I, I, I'm glad Northwestern's gotten bowl eligible, but I think it's time that Illinois plays the inspired football to be to become bowl eligible and Northwestern will probably finish six and six. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I think ben, as Ben Bryant came back for Northwestern and he has played really well and Cam Porter starting to run really well. Um, I I've Northwestern's playing so much better than they, they should, <laughs> which gives me pause in this game because I'm like, at, at least for the, probably the last, five, six weeks. I'm like, you know, they, they, I felt like the score against Maryland was a bit shocking. It it was, it didn't tell the whole story. Like I thought they dominated Maryland. Um, and it's just, I, I'm like, how much of that is real? Because I know from a recruiting standpoint, and the roster, overall roster, I'm like, Northwestern is not, they're not good. But the way they're playing right now, I'm like, man, 
I agree with everything that you just said. And yet there's a part of me that's like, but I kind of think Northwestern's playing better right now. It's all about who's going to be more inspired. Yeah. You know? I, if they were playing against Minnesota and PJ Fleck, I'd pick Northwestern. Mm-hmm. They're playing Brett Bielema, who I have a lot of respect for. And I think he's going to get it done. I, I, I Paddock has been very good in relief of Altmaier. Yeah. He's been like, he's been better than Altmaier. Yeah. Like he, he's been great. Isaiah Williams, I think is a, an underrated weapon in the big 10. And I, I think those defensive tackles are maybe the, the, the best outside of Michigan and Ohio state. So I, I, I agree. I think, I think Newton and, uh, I was going to say Rand. I, was, I keep wanting to say Keith Richards. That's definitely not it. Randall, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think they wrecked the game. I've got 24 to 17 Illinois over, uh, Northwestern. That's safe. Yeah. Um, the Axe, Wisconsin at six and five against Minnesota. Uh, this is on FS1, 330 kick. Wisconsin's a two and a half point favorite. Who you got? Um, yeah, I think that Wisconsin in this one is, I think they, it's very helpful that they're starting to get their players back. Uh, they are going to probably be, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I can't remember. I was looking it up earlier, but Hunter Wohler, he was hurt in the game. So I don't remember if he's coming back for this one or not, but Tanner Mordecai did start playing. Braylon Allen went to that game, even though Luke Fickle said he wouldn't, um, he still was playing in that game. Um, I think that Wisconsin play is playing for a lot of pride right now. And I think they really want to put it all together. And I know people are down on Luke fickle for what he's done to start the season. Um, but you can tell the Wisconsin's still playing inspired football. Um, and they're still playing hard. And every time those guys talk about their coach, they're talking very highly of him. Um, I think Minnesota has, has the injury bug here to end the season. So unfortunately I don't think the Gophers are going to go bowl win. I think Wisconsin's going to win this one 21 to 17. Yeah. I, I think Luke, you know, it's Luke fickle. I thought he would do better this year. Um, but I, I did think too. I had him win in the West. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did as well. And I, I think it just goes to show it takes, it takes time at least a year most of the time to really reset a culture and you forget like they're trying to do an air raid mix with power run, but their receiving core is nowhere near where it needs to be. And the offensive line still has to get better. And And the blocking on the outside for that receiving core isn't great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. And so I, having said all that, Minnesota is depleted in the one spot you don't want them to be depleted against Wisconsin. And that is the linebacking core. Mm-hmm. And Braylon Allen, he was not healthy last week, but he played, I think he'll probably be a little healthier this week. I, I think Braylon Allen runs at least for a hundred. Um, I've, I've, I've got it. Not a close game. I've got 27 to 10 uh, mm-hmm. Wisconsin over Minnesota. Um I, I just think Minnesota's too beat up, and I I think you're right that they they're playing inspired football um, for uh, for Fick right now. So yep. I, I think also the overtime win really galvanizes them. Yeah. This is so this game is probably the one I'm most looking forward to outside of the one in Ann Arbor. 
Maryland at Rutgers, 330, mm-hmm. Big Ten Network, Maryland a one-point favorite, both teams six and five. Who you got? Um, this is a really tough one to pick. I my pick my score to be 24 to 20, and honestly, I could see it being either team. <laughs> I feel like Maryland and Rutgers are both teams that uh, Maryland can kind of show up whenever and play a good game like they did against Michigan last week. You know, I, I knew they were kind of like a sleeper team that could give Michigan a battle. They gave them a better battle than I thought they would. I thought it would kind of be like Ohio State last year, maybe where it's like close game going into the fourth and then Ohio State pulled ahead. Uh, and I thought Michigan might do the same thing, but Michigan never did. Uh, they got that safety to kind of ice the game and that helped them. Um, and, and Rutgers, they're kind of going through a rough stretch right now, but I think they had um, a, a game last week that was, I wouldn't say easy, uh, but it was a little bit less than, you know, the Iowa and the Ohio State, stuff like that, uh, that they that they have been having. So I think they're going to be a little bit more rested going into this one. I think Greg Schiano feels that this is a really good season. I think he's going to get this running game going. I think he's going to continue to work with Gavin Wimsat, make him a better passer. And I think he's going to let Gavin Wimsat use his legs more uh, in this one because I don't know if the Maryland defense has the athleticism to run him down. Uh, and take care of him. So, yeah, I, I like I said, 24-20 is my score pick. I can see it going either way, but I'm going to go with Rutgers. I think I think we might be aligned in every single pick. Uh, <laughs> I Rutgers has faced, I think, three top five defenses, if not top five, top ten, yeah. all in a row. And I think the Iowa game was indicative of the fact that that they had just played Ohio state and given Ohio state, you know, a really tough game for three quarters. And they gave, they gave Penn state a tough game the week after. And I'm torn because Rutgers doesn't necessarily have the depth to kind of recover from a three game stretch. That's a brutal stretch. Yeah. Like, and it was, it was Ohio state at home and then Iowa and Penn state on the road. Right. Um, but I also think they get up more for Greg Schiano in kind of the down games than Maryland. Like, I think Maryland, when they feel deflated, you feel it. Mm-hmm. And that, like, every year when they lose their first game, it beats them another two times. Yeah. And I, this to me feels like a coaching game where it's like, I wouldn't say they're necessarily fully evenly matched talent wise, but I do not trust Mike Loxley in a game like this. Yeah. And I think their def I think Maryland's defense is not at all the caliber of what they Rutgers has faced. I think they'll be able to run the ball. I think Kyle Manungai, he'll get over a thousand yards. I think it's the first time they'll have a thousand yard back. I think in 11, y- 11 years, um, he's been phenomenal for them. I agree. I think getting Gavin Wibbs to use his, his athleticism. I, I like Rutgers in a low scoring game. I, I, I've got 20 to 13. I think Tunga Bailoa throws a couple picks uh, and I, I just don't think they're going to, they're going to show up well in this game, uh, which I know Maryland fans will not like, but I, I just think I trust Shiano more than Loxley in, in this type of a game. I agree. Um, I think that Shiano's the better coach. He's more inspiring to his team. 
Um, and I think he's going to get it done. But I do want to give credit to Talia Tagovailoa because in these last two games, if he throws for over what, 515 yards, he will be the new career passing yards leader in the Big Ten. He'll get ahead of Curtis Painter. How, how about that? Yeah. So good. Good for good for Talia. I feel like we give Talia a lot. He's when he plays his game, he is very good. Yeah. So as long as he gets over 250 yards in both games, he should get it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and he'll have to throw in this game. I don't yeah. think they, they're going to be able to run well against this disruptor's so defense. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we will talk about SignGate and the game. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. We are talking the game, and from thenceforth, we will talk about that team up north as the team up north because this is my podcast, and we're two Ohio State homers. So well, I, I wore the, the wrong apparel today. I have my Kent State hoodie on, and it kind of <laughs> in the screen looks like a Michigan hoodie. So um, yeah, I'm in disguise, I, I guess, for this blue. one. This is yeah. not – we did not <laughs> We did not well. organize this well. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, before we get into breaking down the game itself, I, I, JR, I'd love to hear your thoughts. How does – We've talked about the scandal on our podcast. I know you guys have talked about it at oh, the Big Ten Huddle. Yeah. Um, how does this impact the game this week in your mind? So I was, uh, I was kind of these past four games, kind of studying Michigan a little bit more to kind of see like what different tendencies they have. Uh, these four weeks than they did before them. Uh, not necessarily to like catch something and say like, ah, you know, you know, they're they're cheating, won them all these games. Not necessarily to do that, but because I am interested in, you know, a, what does this team look like if they're possibly less confident? You know, if they don't know the exact signs of what's going on, because that's a big thing too. If you know the other team's play, that can that can just give you confidence to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's possibly less about the cheating and more about just like the confidence in doing those things. Uh, But then also these past two weeks, I've been watching to see how are they different without Jim Harbaugh. Um, It's amazing what Sharon Moore has on his plate, right? He's the offensive line coach. He's the offensive coordinator and he's the head coach. I mean, those are all three pretty big jobs. And if you know anything about how um, college like coaches work in practice time, the offensive line coach is not normally with the quarterbacks and stuff like that very often. I've said on the podcast before and in other places that I'm not a fan of like offensive line coaches being the offensive coordinator. I've seen it at Ohio State. Uh, Brian Ferentz was, I think he was the offensive line coach or he was a former offensive line coach as the offensive coordinator. I Just typically when you look at offensive coordinators who aren't doing a great job, they're not normally the offensive line coach. Now, I'm not saying that to say that Sharon Moore is doing a bad job. But I am saying that, like, when you're the offensive line coach, there is an aspect of the passing game that you miss. And the passing game is far more complicated than the running game. That doesn't mean it's more more important. That doesn't mean it's better or anything like that. It's just, you know, more complicated and harder to grasp. And so I do think that this is a detriment on Sharon Moore. And I don't think people are really taking into account how much of an impact this is that Jim Harbaugh is not there. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, to me, 
is the most important head coach on game day outside of some kind of play calling head coach in all of college football uh, because of his staff, how young they are, how inexperienced they are as coordinators. Uh, Jesse Minter is the only coordinator on that staff who has been a coordinator somewhere else and was at Vanderbilt for one year. Sharon Moore has never been a coordinator anywhere but Michigan. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve Klinkscale has never been a coordinator anywhere but Michigan. Jay Harbaugh has never been a coordinator anywhere but Michigan. Uh, Jesse Minter is in his third year as a coordinator, his second one at Michigan. Um, and so I look at it and I just think this is, this is a tough situation for them. Now, Michigan can play very inspired football and they could get over it and, and, and still win. I'm not saying it's you know over or anything like that. But I do think there's more there to it than what I've heard people talking about. Yeah, it's, it's helpful because I think there's – you forget that Harbaugh not being there on game day. Like, granted, he's involved with all the game prep. Yeah, he's still the there during the week and at practice. During yeah. the week. Um, but it, it's a good reminder, like, on game day, like, where are people being focused – and who is that steadying voice? And the reality is when you take Harbaugh off the sideline, Sharon Moore is no longer just focusing on like the offensive line. And, you know, he's got to manage everything. And so his, you know, everybody's got to now be delegated different jobs on top of what they already had responsibility wise. Right. And that's, I think that's just a helpful reminder. Like this, I think it's easy. And I've, I've even said this, like I, in some ways I wish Harbaugh were on the sideline because. Oh, definitely. I like for one, if Ohio state wins this game, I want them to, to win with them being at full strength, no excuses. Right. But there's also there in my mind, I'm like, I don't want them to have any extra motivation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I think in some ways we've seen at least the shirts like free Harbaugh and free, like they, they feel that. Yeah. But there is, there is the reality that all these different jobs are now being thrust. Like th- there's a ripple effect job wise. Right. And I, I think the other, the other thing is regardless of what the, the athletes say, like, Oh, it's, it's hundred percent Ohio state this week. It's a hundred percent that, you know, that can't be true. Yeah. Like there is in the back of your mind, all this stuff swirling. And as, as much as the Michigan beat writers and athletic director and all those people keep saying, everything is fine. It's Ryan day's fault. It's this, it's that, you know, that there's still outside voices that are saying facts that even if the best players like, how do you tune that out? Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think that people don't realize how much the players do pay attention to the outside noise. Um, one thing that happened to me today is I, I posted um, about, um, well, a few different players. I posted about Travion Henderson on my personal like Ohio State account. Posted about Travion Henderson, Tommy Eichenberg, uh, and Taven St. Clair. Uh, he's the Ohio State commit that's uh, – class of 2025 and all three of those uh well i guess two of those three like within the first five minutes of me posting them either a family member 
or the person that it was about themselves liked that tweet. Wow. And so, like, it's one of those things where, like, these people are on social media. And yeah. even if we realize it or not, they're paying attention to what be, what's being said, what's out there. Um, and they do let it get to them. I mean, these are still kids, you know? Yeah. Like, these are still 18 to 23-year-olds. I know there's some guys that are, like, seven-year seniors. Like, Cam Risen's coming back, and he's, like, <laughs> in his seventh year. So, you know, he's, like, a veteran. But, uh, but the, these are still kids. And they're still dealing with a lot. And, and they are way stronger and way bigger than I will probably ever be. Um, but, you know, that's one of the reasons why we love college football. It's yep. the emotion. It's the amateurism. You know, even if these guys do start getting paid at some point, they're still young enough that they're going to be like amateurs. Um, and it's not going to be as professionalized as other things. Um, and it does make a difference, I think. Yeah. That's well said. That's well said. Well, with, with that being said, noon, Saturday, big noon kickoff, Fox. The line has dropped to three points. Uh, the team up north is the favorite, um, but that line has dropped. I think it was four and a half. It's now down to three. I think it was like seven to begin the season. Yeah, so it's, it's, yeah. it's been creeping down. Where, where do you see this game going so i have major concerns about michigan's passing attack and i have concerns about ohio state's passing attack too so i'm not just picking on michigan here but hear me out for a second okay um as i've been watching michigan these past couple of weeks i've noticed more of their issues with the tackles like many other people have um primarily what is it, the right tackle um or whichever tackle got hurt and had to move over his replacement. Uh, but still, even before that injury happened, I was not impressed with the tackles in pass protection. Still very good running, uh, run, run blocking offensive line. But another thing I noticed, and I've been kind of tracking this a bit on my um, personal Twitter account, J.J. McCarthy is not doing as well against the Blitz now than he previously was. Hmm. Um and what I'm noticing by that is that, and I think I think somebody, uh, college football nerds, I think pointed it out today, and I really wish they wouldn't have because this is something I thought was an original thought, but <laughs> I guess uh, somebody <laughs> else at, with a larger platform at, said it first. So they're good uh, at finding things. That's why we yeah. love them so much. Um, but I, but you know, I, I, I think that JJ McCarthy, like when the blitz comes. And I don't know if they knew where the blitz was coming from or anything like that with the sign stealing, but I think they knew at least when the blitz was coming and they were able to kind of like help JJ out with that, get him on the move, get him away from the blitz. But now I see JJ rolling out from these handoffs or these play actions. And it's almost like there's a guy waiting there for him because they're blitzing and the pressure is immediately on him. Whereas before they did a fantastic job of rolling JJ out into space and he's kind of roaming out into space, extending the play, you know, sometimes having four or five seconds to make a throw. Um, I don't, I haven't seen that as much uh, against Penn State and against Maryland. So I do have concerns about Michigan's passing game. I also have concerns about Kyle McCord and his passing game. Um, you know, yes, he did win that game for Ohio State against Notre Dame. But there were also some questionable throws that could have been picked off there. I still think that Kyle McCord, when he's under pressure, he doesn't get through his progressions as well, and his footwork gets a little sloppy. And that's when you see 
some of the inaccurate throws. I mean, he's still a young quarterback. Um, if you ask me who the better quarterback is, I have no idea. I think they both fit their teams rather well, but I think that both of them have their struggles, at least right now. Um, the thing that I think will be the difference, and it's why I'm picking Ohio State to win, is Travion Henderson. I think that Travion Henderson, not just with his speed to be able to get by the defensive line, but I think that from what I've watched with Ohio State this season, they're going to run a lot of outside stretch runs, kind of sweeps and stuff like that to try to counter this big defensive interior of the defensive line that Michigan has. Um, I think they're going to try and tire them out. I think they're going to try and get them a little bit more winded. And then I think they're going to try to hit it up the gut after that. And if things go well, Travion might have a breakaway uh, run or two in this game. But if not, if they contain Travion Henderson, Michigan will win this game. But I think Ryan Day is a good enough play caller. I've seen a lot of creative stuff from him this season, and I think that he's going to let it all loose against Michigan uh, this weekend. Yeah, and did you say your score for the? Uh, I think twenty-four twenty. Twenty-four twenty. Yeah. Um. I I I really agree with a lot, and I I I, I feel like I was really on Ryan Day earlier in the season. I I feel like he has actually managed this season really really well. Yeah. Um. I. It, it's hard because this is coming into the season. This is arguably the best roster that Michigan has had since 97. Yeah, possibly. Or 06, one of those two. Yeah, 06 was really, really good too. Um, and they're, they're senior laden. Like I think JJ is a probably the best quarterback. And I, I know he's been not, has not been great the past couple weeks, but he has right. been – He's been the best Big Ten quarterback this season. Yeah, and he's he's the best that Michigan has had. Sorry, the team up north. Um, got to got to keep consistent with the branding here. Um, <laughs> uh, he's been their their best quarterback, uh, man. Maybe since Chad Henney, um, which isn't saying much, by the yeah. way. But you know, NFL quarterback had a long career, so. Yeah. 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 Henny, Henny has had a good, good, long career, um, pivotal yeah. moment in the NFL playoff game a couple years ago too. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think the one, the, the thing about the team up North I've said all season with them is that they are the team that I felt like had the least holes out of anybody in the country, including Georgia, um, including Alabama, and that I felt like Ohio State was the team that has the higher ceiling, yeah, but had more questions. Right. And I feel like Ohio State's done a good job to address a lot of those questions. I think Josh Simmons in particular has really improved as a tackle. Uh, I think they've really figured out some run stuff. I think Henderson is a big part of that. He has reached another gear since he yeah. got back from injury. Like he has been phenomenal. Um. You know, Marv's Marv. Emeka, when healthy, is Emeka. You know, so like I, I, I think I saw I, I saw on a message board that uh, um, there was a connection to a Minnesota coach, and he said that the playmakers for Ohio State coaching against them worlds different than anybody else they played, including the team up north. 
Yeah. So like I the playmakers, we know we know that they're better. Like no offense to Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson and right. Colson Those are still Mullen. good good skill players. Yeah, good players. Yeah, they're not Marv and Emeka and Trey and Trey and I think Travion at his peak is better than Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, as good as they are. Yeah, it's a higher ceiling. It's kind of like yeah. with the team, you know. Yeah, my but here's where I really struggle is at times I think Ohio State's linebackers, not Tommy as much, but Steele and Cody can sometimes get lost in the wash in the run game. And so you mm-hmm. look at early in games, you know, you saw it against Michigan State. Um, you saw it against Rutgers. You saw it a lot in the second half against Notre Dame. Like they were able to establish a run. And while I don't think Michigan has been as dominant in the run game this year, I am really concerned about them ha- really filling those those gaps well consistently. And at the same time, I really struggle with thinking that the interior of Ohio State's offensive line, Carson Hinsman, I, I think Donovan Jackson is has played better as of late, but I don't think he's been I don't think he's played up to the five star potential that we all pegged mm-hmm. him to have. He's definitely not Paris Johnson. No, no. And I am really concerned about the matchup inside mm-hmm. with the interior of Ohio State's offensive line versus those D tackles who I think are the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Um Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham. There's another one that I'm forgetting, but he's Kenneth Grant. Yeah. Kenneth Grant. Like those boys are, I mean, they're eaters of worlds mm-hmm. in there. And like, I think that you're right. They have to get wide on them to, to do any damage, but I'm concerned that the pressure up the middle is, is gonna really, it's going to keep Kyle from being able to be accurate. So I think that's my, one of my big concerns with this game. My other one, Ohio State has a special teams coordinator. And their special teams are awful. <laughs> and Michigan blocked a punt last week. I, I really think this game turns on some sort of special teams miscue. Yeah. And I, and maybe this is my superstitious as a fan coming out because i think if i analyze this game straight i'm like i think ohio state can win like is the better team i'm picking the team up north and i've got i've got a similar score 27 to 20 the team up north and i i think the game turns on uh, some sort of either special teams play or a pressure where kyle mccord fumbles because Chris Jenkins or Kenneth Grant, someone gets through, gets home, or someone beats Josh Fryer on the outside. Mm-hmm. Like that, that to me, I, I think those splash plays could turn into like a 14 point swing really quickly. Right. That closes the door. Now, having said that, so the team up north is my pick. If Ohio State gets up 14 nothing, I think it's over. Because I don't think I think you're right. I don't think the team up north has the ability to go blow for for blow. And I think Ohio State's defensive backfield. I like I think if they they force the team up north into obvious passing situations for the rest of the game, 
like this could go from 14 nothing to 35 nothing quick because i think that i think their defense has really turned it up a notch yeah and i think if you put those pass rushers on those tackles and just let them get after it it, i mean obviously it's not going to be like you know michigan state ohio state bad um but it, it would definitely put michigan at a very big disadvantage yeah which I think it goes like Ohio State's explosion ability is so much higher. But I, I, I'm scared to death of middle pressure, them being able to control the clock with the run game and the special teams. So Ohio State's explosion ability is higher, but Michigan's like consistent move the ball down the field ability is higher. So yep. it's all about who excels in that better. Yep. Well, JR, I appreciate you joining. Any last thoughts before we kind of close up here? Just sad that Big Ten football is only one weekend left. I love all the rivalries, but I'm sad when they get here because I know that, you know, just means that, you know, we're only going to see some of the teams in, in bowl games and all those things. So uh, if only we played that darn SEC schedule where it was only like eight conference games and everybody could be bowl eligible. But, you know. <laughs> We're just not as privileged as the uh, Southerners, I suppose. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we'll we'll get some more bowl eligible teams though with uh, eighteen teams, eighteen yes. teams in the conference. So. Yeah, yeah, we well, should have the most then. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we go, Jared, again, where can we find you, and where can we find your podcast? Yep, the Big Ten Huddle. Uh, we're going live here in about t- five ten minutes. Talk some basketball. If you want to head over there on YouTube. Um, and yeah, so check us out, Twitter, YouTube, podcasts, all those things. Cool. Well, thanks, JR. Appreciate it. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll make sure we get this. We, we have more joint episodes in the future. So yep. appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Zach. Yep. Bye. See ya.